right, what is happening? Another exciting podcast episode. Mr. Short Game Podcasts are back, back in action. We're getting rocking and rolling. So a lot going on in the world of golf. Uh, Lately, last few weeks have been super exciting. We're talking about uh, Phil and the PGA Championship. We're going to talk about the LPGA US Open and just uh, obvious John Rahm fiasco at the memorial this past week as well and uh, then a little a little u.s open preview we got that bad boy coming up in a couple weeks at tory pines so good stuff happening exciting golf is exciting and and also we'll touch on the bryson and brooks uh i don't know what even they'll call a rivalry which has been uh Pretty, pretty exciting in the uh, social media world the last uh, couple weeks. So a uh, lot of good stuff, a lot of good stuff. And we'll just kick it off with a few weeks ago, the PGA Championship and Phil Mickelson's uh, shocking, incredible, unexpected victory over Kiwa Island. That was one of the most, you know, it was that, Tom Watson at the Open Championship where he nearly 60 years old almost wins it but just came up a little bit short so it for me I fully expected Phil I expected him to melt down more Saturday than anything but sure enough he held his own and he had a solid Saturday and then man it went from ex- hopeful excitement to oh this is gonna really hurt when he doesn't pull this thing off and he came down it it really came down to the end brooks had a chance to come through at the end and with the bird he could have made birdie bogey little flip-flop but phil man just coming down he he hit some shots that were good and got some bad breaks and especially especially on saturday when he just hooks it into the water uh, coming down the stretch that was devastating and that was devastating and his what was it Usti did the same thing and he gets a pretty favorable drop I think everybody knows it was totally not legit but w- what are you gonna do you know that's that's what they came up with and but really I I, I think the, the the main thing here is how did Phil win the PGA how did it even happen? How could he do it? Now, he struggled with some health issues a few years back, some arthritis stuff. And, and you know, so he's really started over the last number of years to really get in shape, to really get uh, healthy. So he has his, uh, his coffee drink. I did a whole video on that. So search my website, my YouTube page for that. I did a whole video on his coffee and I drank it for 30 days and kind of did his coffee regiment. And inside the coffee is a lot of salt, a lot of different um, minerals that you can get uh, on your own. You could figure it out and put all that same stuff in your own coffee drink and do it yourself too. It's a little bit cheaper if you do it a la carte on your own. But nonetheless, he's got this formula and he also mentioned that he fasts uh, for, I think, 18 hours or 36 hours a week. And so I think he does a couple stretches where he'll fast 
like an intermittent fasting type of thing. I'm not exactly sure his, his full on process for it, but that all, all that stuff really helps reset and recalibrate your body. And it helps it perform at a higher level. It reduces inflammation and helps you recover faster. So that's what he's been doing. So I think that's phenomenal how he's been able to do that. And as you get older, it becomes harder and harder to stay physically fit because your body slows down, you get slower, it gets more difficult just mentally, physically. When you're young, you just have a lot more energy. So he's managed amazingly to continue to work hard and work harder in the physical aspect of his game as he's gotten older. And that's why he has had the success he has had through his 40s and now into his 50s because he's been focusing on his health. Most golfers, most golfers out there go into what people call, I call, a lot of us call golf no man's land. From 40 to 50 years old, a lot of golfers who had had some success, moderate success, even high success on the PGA Tour, really don't have anything going on, anywhere to play. And so it's like that you're in golf, no man's land. And so what do you do between 40 and 50? Some guys, like Phil, have full exemptions on the PGA Tour because you have, I think it's 20 wins and you're exempt. Not in the majors, but in all the other events. So you can play whenever, wherever you want. And, but for golfers who don't have that exemption, they have to either qualify or use sponsor exemptions or somehow get into events. Past winners, they use all these different types of exemptions. But a lot of them don't have the success because they don't do what Phil does. Some do, but most don't. And so Phil has had, he's had the ability. One, he's had the exemptions. So he's freed up to kind of do whatever he needs to do. And he has put in the work. So kudos to him for putting in the work physically on his game. And then, man, so can can he win again? Can he do something like this again? And what we've seen, there was no indication that Phil was going to have any success whatsoever at the PGA Championship. He was missing cuts. He was all over the place with his drives. He's wild. And so you just kind of write him off, but hope that, hey, he gives you a spark, a little excitement, something to watch. And he got hot. So when he gets hot and he controls his game, when he has control of his game, he, he can win. But when he's just swinging, going for bombs, and he did that a few times at the PGA Championship, but they were controlled specific moments. For the most part, he was really focused on hitting fairways and hitting greens because he's a great iron player. So when he was doing that, he can perform incredibly well. But when he's just swinging for the fences, man, Watch out, because it can be a wild ride, as we all know. And then we get the exciting, fill the thrill shots that we all love. And, he, you know, he's, he, he pulls them off 
if we just remember the ones he pulls off, there's a plenty he doesn't, but the ones he does, man, it's fantastic. So that's super exciting. I love watching him. You know, I think we all in, in golf world loved seeing him pull that off. The question is, can he do it at Torrey Pines coming up? His hometown, San Diego, Torrey Pines, South Course. Torrey Pines is going to be one of the longest U.S. Opens in history. It can be one of the longest U.S. Opens out there. They have the potential to stretch that course out and make it long. And the thing about Torrey Pines is the rough there is brutal. And they're going to grow it. So you have to hit fairways out at Torrey Pines or you're out. You have no chance. So the question is, can Phil hit fairways at Torrey Pines? And the last time the U.S. Open was there was in 2008. Tiger won. And Phil finished tied for 18th. Seven shots back. So not totally out of contention, but just, just not totally there. So we know he can play well there. you know. And I'm not even going to compare it to the yearly tournament they have there because the U.S. Open setup is so dramatically different. And I played it like a couple days after the U.S. Open in 2008. And man, those greens were harder and faster than I've ever played them. I grew up in San Diego, so I played Torrey Pines 100 times. So playing it just after that U.S. Open in 2008 in a men's club event there, it, we had spotters. They had cut the rough somewhat, but we had still had spotters out there helping find and locate golf balls because you were not going to find them. So they're going to obviously have some gallery out there and spotters looking for balls. But if you miss that fairway, you are literally punching out and laying up and every par four will now become a par five and you're gonna have a, a semi long shot in if you miss those fairways. And there's there's a lot of potential for missing fairways because the holes out there, a lot of them are very straight. There's a few that curve, but a lot are very straight. For me, the straight holes are difficult because if it turns a little bit, I feel like you can work the ball somewhat, but. Torrey South is a difficult test. We all know that. So I don't think Phil, there's too much pressure. It's the one, the one major he hasn't won, the one he's lacking. It would be phenomenal to see him win it for sure. But for him to win two majors in one year, that one, that's difficult for anybody. Two, can Phil handle that pressure? In his hometown, I mean, it would be gol a golf miracle would have to take place. We would love it. It would be phenomenal. The world would erupt. It, everything in golf would be right. But I just don't think he's going to be able to pull it off there at that course with the high penalty for missing the fairway. But he did earn a five-year exemption to the U.S. Opens. So we've got – we're at Torrey Pines this year. Then next year, we're at the, um, in Brookline at the Country Club. And the following year, in 2023, is at L.A. Country Club, their north course. So, 
I've played there. That's a course, they, they can grow up the rough, but it's not going to be so penalizing, let's say, as a Torrey Pines. I think he could have a potential chance there. It'll be the first time, like, the U.S. Opens, I think, has ever been played at L.A. Country Club. And they've done a lot of redesign. Gil Hance went in there and did a whole bunch of stuff. And the course is phenomenal. It is a classic-style golf course. And like real tee to green. So the you, you walk off the green, the tee box is right there. Literally, you hit your tee shot on the first hole off the practice putting green. Like that's the course. It's really a, a cool, it's going to be an awesome venue. They had the Walker Cup there a few years ago. But the U.S. Open is going to be a whole nother deal there. And I think that course is going to be set up very similar to like a Kiowa Island, but without the wind. I think those two kind of would, not that it's linksy, but it's just got a similar look and feel about it. So I would say that he could have a potential chance at LA Country Club. And this is a course that all the pros love to go play when they're at Riviera. A lot of them go and play LA Country Club just because it's a great track. And so watch out in 2023, that could be a potential Phil Mickelson show that would be phenomenal obviously he's going to be what he'll be 51 at tory 52 next year he'll be 53 at that point hey he's taking care of himself and he gets hot we need him to continue to take care of himself which i think he will and we need him to be hot that week if he's hot he's tough to beat so I think LA Country Club is going to be a potential for him. And then the following year, now this would just be the ultimate level kind of walk-off home run if he can win at Pinehurst in 2024. Because that's where Payne Stewart beat him. That's where he, you know, really had one of his best chances. So that would be that would be the walk-off home run at 54 years old. But hey, so you never know. He's got some good chances coming up i just don't think tory pines is going to be one of them so i wish him the best because he's super fun obviously to watch and see play so good luck to you phil mickelson keep the thumbs up and i think his i think he fixed his thumbs up game too he used to have this kind of short little thumbs up deal and he went from the short thumb and he got the long thumb so and i i think that worked for him just something i've noticed i don't know you let me know let me know if you notice that. So anyways, go long thumb fill. Rock and roll. Keep keep drinking the coffee. Now this past week, man, we had some we had some excitement. Okay, there was the Memorial Tournament and the US Women's Open going on at the same time. Okay? Which Okay, so the Memorials in Ohio the U.S. Women's Open was at the Olympic Club in San Francisco. So East Coast, West Coast, I, I like that. Now, the, I think the LPGA has a lot of problems going on, uh, and their ratings are typically horrible, okay? Let's just be honest. They have horrible ratings on the LPGA Tour. And they ref- I don't know why they don't change things more. They sh- I think they should. I think they should alter the, the schedule of their events so they finish on Mondays. That's what I think. There's no real golf on Mondays. So I think, I, I don't know why they would compete with the PGA Tour on a Sunday venue. I just don't think people are going to watch 
the LPGA, if the PGA Tour is on. Men or women, there are going to be some, but I think most people are just going to watch. They do, based on the ratings. Just check the ratings for yourself. Look at those, and we'll see. This particular week was one of those where, well, it was a unique scenario. It was one of those, for me, I was just, I just got mad because John Rahm got, had to withdraw because he tested positive for COVID. And so I was just, I was done with the memorial. I just, then I started watching the, the LPGA US Open and beautiful track, great course. And Lexi Thompson, she was, she had an amazing Saturday round and she was in the lead. She had the five shot lead, I think through eight holes on Sunday. However, she was leaking oil the whole day. And it was just one of those, it, you just felt like this was going to be another heartbreaker. She was just, it, it was just, you know, she's had some heartbreakers in the past, had some bad breaks, bad luck, bad things. But we, I was hopeful and rooting for her. And I wanted to watch it because I didn't want to watch the memorial because I just thought that we'll get to that in a minute. But I thought that was just totally bogus. So I was like, I'm protesting. I'm going to watch LPGA. I'm rooting for Lexi. She's the, the, she's the American in the, in the hunt. So I'm rooting for her. I'm going to root for, you know, for I'm an American. That's not, nothing against the other women, but that's who I was going to root for. All right. So she, you could tell, even um, Brandel Chambly mentioned this, and you could see it on the first hole. She had a short eagle putt, maybe 12 feet or something like that. And she hit it so far on the toe of her putter. And now I'm super sensitive to toe strikes on the putter because I do that all the time and it drives me nuts and I hate it. I mean, I cringe. I hate hitting my putter off the toe. I, I work on my setup. I work on everything I can possibly do because I never want it. I want it more on the heel than the toe. I never like that feeling, but every now and then, especially the more nervous I get, the more I strike it on the toe. And she hit it. She hit it so far on the toe on that first hole. You were like, whoa, it, she almost missed. And so she almost missed hitting the ball. That's how far it hit the toe of the putter. And then she missed her eagle putt, taps in, she gets birdie. So it's birdie on the card. But yeah, like Brandon Chandelier was saying, I, myself, I'm thinking, oh no. It's going to be a rough day on the greens. She's not, and she didn't make many putts. She had a couple birdies, but then she double bogeys like the 11th hole because she chunks a chip, a pitch. And you just, you just knew that, oh no, it, this, this is, here's the, here, the beginning of the end is happening. And then she bogeys 14, 17, and 18. You can't bogey the last two holes and expect to win a U.S. Open. It's just not going to happen. And it didn't happen. And it was just devastating. And you're just thinking, one of those is a par 5, 17, short. Drove it in the rough. Okay, you got to lay up. But you just can't you can't bogey from that point. You just can't do it. And so I, it was a heartbreaker for me to see her go through that. Now, obviously, the Philippines are rejoicing. Um, Yuka Sasa won. Congratulations to her, 19-year-old, and well, she's like the youngest to ever win the U.S. Open or something like that, and phenomenal golf swing, phenomenal game. She kind of laid an egg on Saturday. That's where she really fell away. So, look, everybody's going to have their ups and downs. 
You just don't want it on late Sunday afternoon. And she played phenomenal late Sunday afternoon, and which it, it was just a heartbreaker. But I think that the LPGA, they need more than a cool hoodie, a cool sweater uh, to revamp and revitalize the tour. They need one. They have to look at reality. They have to look at the truth. The truth is they're not going to compete against the PGA Tour. And the Memorial is a big tournament. That's Jack's event. That's going on at the same time. And you have this fiasco with John Rom testing positive for COVID. So a lot of people are going to tune in because now they're like, okay. I mean, he had a what six-shot lead. Go, he won the tournament on Saturday. It was oh, it was over. It was a cakewalk for him. He would have won. I could have played in his place on Sunday and probably squeaked out to victory for him. I, maybe not, but I like to think I could. But a lot of people could have played in his place and played for it. I mean, it was so horrible that I, I just didn't even want to see it because I, I thought I'm a conspiracy theory guy on this one, to be honest with you. But nonetheless, we'll get to that. So that's why I tuned in to the U.S. Open, Women's U.S. Open. But typically, they have their events. They're competing head-to-head with the men. And they'll tape delay it. They'll show it on Golf Channel. They'll show it somewhere else. It. I think they need it to just transition it to different days, first of all. And they need some – you need these rivalries. You need some, some strife between players. You need character characters or you need personalities you know when it comes to golf you need the personalities you need the backstories like Lexi was exciting to watch okay because she has a history of some bad things happening to her we we see her we've seen her plight we've seen her struggles we've seen her ups and downs we don't want to see it but it's there so we're going to watch so that's a storyline that's a character that we want to see. We want to see that. And unfortunately, with the all the players, there's just those personalities are few and far between when those players are competing. And so we don't get, as a viewer, we don't get what we want out of it. And unfortunately, that's, that's reflected in the ratings of the LPGA. And so for starters, they've got to do some stuff to create that, to get more excitement. And it's more than just a, a Michelle Wee design hoodie. It's more than that. That's cool and all, but it. But then you watch you, the product. You're going to tune in and see the product, and the product just isn't compelling enough to be a, a, a constant you know, viewer. I, if I watch a show on Netflix or something and I don't like it, I'm not coming back. You're just not going to watch. Eh, I tried it. I didn't like it. So you could be sucked in by the hoodie. But if the product on the field is not compelling enough for you, if it's boring, you're just like, I just can't watch this. I can't, I can't do it. That leads you to why is the PGA Tour so much more successful? It's, it's not because they hit it farther. Although Bryson is pretty fun to watch him try to cut a corner of a – or five and drive it four hundred yards. Yeah, that that's exciting. What's more exciting is his rivalry between Brooks Kepka, Kepka, and everybody shouting Brooksy while Bryson tees off, and then they he freaks out. They don't like it. They start kicking people out of the Memorial Tournament. 
So you yell Brooksy when Bryson is hitting. They're gonna they're gonna kick you out. So what what happens? Then Brooks goes on social media with his Michelob Ultra sponsor and just says, "Hey, thanks for cheering for me at the Memorial Tournament, even though I'm not there. Hey, if your time was cut short, <laughs> we're giving 50 cases away to people like you that have have maybe didn't get the full experience you you wanted at the event. This kind of stuff is gold. Okay, it's gold." It's a great rivalry. We love it. We want to see it. We like to heckle. People like to, I don't. I'm not a heckler, but some people like to heckle and whatever. I don't have a problem with that. If you want to yell Brooksy, if you want to yell Kepka, you know, whatever. It like that's fine. As long as you're not. It's it's all in good fun, good spirits. Like you're not really trying to. You're not trying to hit. You're not. NBA has some problems right now. People throwing stuff at players, spitting on them, calling them names, like getting out of out of line, inappropriate. PGA, some people do that, but for the most part, they just they yell like a fan would yell at a baseball game or wherever. They're yelling, they're they're talking a little trash, and that to me, that's fine. I don't mind a little trash talk every now and then. The LPGA doesn't have any of this. It's all just. Kind of there, kind of boring, kind of just meh. We don't we don't like that. We don't like that in our movies. We don't like that in our TV shows. We don't like that in our sports. We always like a little a little conflict, little rivalry going on. We need something. We need the personalities. So I don't know how you necessarily get that on the LPGA, but they need something because these these girls can play some serious golf. They're great players. We just need, we just need something else. And I wouldn't compete head to head with the PGA tour because it's not going to work. You're not going to outperform Jack's tournament. I'm sorry. It's just not going to happen. So in my book, John Rahm wins the Memorial. I don't care. Can't lay congratulations. We all know the truth. We all know the truth. And yes, I do think it was a, it's just fishy. Look, what we all have different beliefs about COVID, vaccines, non-vaccine, whatever. All right, whatever. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, don't. Obviously, there's rules in place if you do versus if you don't. Okay, but here's my question is, he's playing with a couple other guys, may or may not have been vaccinated. I don't know. But he's, so people are like, oh, he didn't high five them. He didn't, he fist bumped them at the end of the round. He hugged. John Rahm hugged his caddy when he made the hole-in-one. His caddies high-fiving the other caddies. Those caddies are touching their players. Like, it's ridiculous. There was cross-contamination going on every which way but loose. You, there's no way. And I don't, I, it, if, you, if you are vaccinated, who cares if you're playing with somebody who's tested positive, then you, you should be good, according to what people say. I don't know. I don't know the truth. Whatever. But look, if you're worried about playing with him, don't, then don't play with him. If he's if he tested positive, put him out alone. Put him with the marker. Put him with someone who doesn't care. It doesn't matter. He, he, you're out there. You're in the open. Tell fans, hey, keep them away from him. Keep them farther away. You, you can do a lot of things. He shouldn't have to withdraw. And they shouldn't have ever pulled him right there, greenside, as he walks out the 18th green and told him in front of cameras, in front of everybody. I mean, 
class act by John Rahm, but what else is he going to do? You can't talk trash about the PGA. You can't. They'll suspend you. You'll get a fine. Things will happen. So he has to be class act guy. He is a class act guy anyways. So I wouldn't expect anything less of him. But the whole thing just smells fishy to me. It just smells fishy. And like, I always say this. If that was Tiger Woods with the six-shot lead at Memorial, same scenario, would they, would they have even said anything? Would what would they have done? What, and who was it? Remember when the Dodgers won the World Series? One of the players had COVID. He played. He played. And uh, they won. And then people kind of freaked out right after. Nothing happened. Everybody was fine. And But he still played. They didn't come out until after the fact. So here, like, I, 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 it's just it's fishy. It's fishy to me. And I think they could have taken precautions and let the guy play at the same time. But I know that's a controversial, hot topic. Everybody's got different things like, oh, just get vaccinated, blah, 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 blah. But look, hey, I don't, don't, hey if you don't want to, do your thing. If you want to, do your thing. I don't, I'm not going to condemn you for doing whatever. Just make your own decisions and, uh, and go with it. And obviously, there's rules. PGA Tour has rules in place for the, if you make certain decisions versus if you make other decisions. I think the rules should change. I think it was ridiculous the way it was done, the way it was handled, and the timing of it was impeccably strange. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying on that one. It's fishy to me. So, congratulations, John Rom. You won the Memorial Tournament. In many people's books, pretty much everybody... I think Cantlay should give you the trophy. <laughs> he could keep the money, but you should get the trophy. That's what I think. So that's that's that. And, you know, sadly, sadly, this whole thing had to happen. Now, regarding Brooks Kepka and Bryson DeChambeau, I mean, it just never, it never ends. That, see, that's what I'm saying. That's what we love about this game because these guys are willing to talk trash to one another. The eye rolls. Oh, my gosh. I hate that guy. Like, that's basically what he was saying when, when Bryson walks by him wearing spikes. Now, look, Tiger wears spikes. So it's not just the spikes that are causing the problem because you're not going to do that to Tiger Woods or the other many other spike wearers out there. But it, it, it was this guy. There's something about these two that just gets under each other's skin. And we all love it. We all love it. And I'll tell you what would be phenomenal, what we're all hoping and rooting for, is that the two of these guys are in the lead at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. They have to play together. <laughs> that would be ridiculous ratings off the charts. So we love, I love, we can all, I think we can all, we love the rivalry. And I don't mind a little trash talking by the fans, a little heckling. Everybody's going to pick their player. I love, look, I like Bryson. I think what he does is really good for the game. He's so odd and just kind of out there in his mental, like, analysis of everything he does. It's brilliant. You know, it, he's got the one-leg clubs. Like, n nobody does that. His wedges are long. No, nobody wants long wedges. 
He does. He doesn't care. He's got the big fat grip, which I think is good. I, I think that's good for a lot of people. He does that. He's got the arm lock putting with the sick putter, which has the variable loft in the head. So he's, do, he's doing everything. I think the arm lock, by the way, should be illegal. It's totally anchoring. You're anchoring the, the butt of the putter to your arm, not just not your chest. What's the difference? What's the difference between putting that thing in the middle of your chest or securing it to your arm? It's the same thing. It's, it's an anchor. You're anchoring the putter to something. Should not be allowed to do it. And, you know, Xander Shoffley's doing it now. He's like, hey, I, and he even says he thinks it should be illegal. Yes, I think it should be illegal. You shouldn't be able to anchor. No way. Stop doing that. Stop. The, the, the powers that be need to be on top of this stuff faster and sooner. No, that's anchoring. Don't let it go on. It's ridiculous. So I, I, I think that should be illegal. I think putting a line on your golf ball should be illegal. The, the line, that's an alignment aid. You're not allowed to have alignment aids on the golf when, when you're playing. You cannot lay a, a, an alignment stick down and then and then set up. You can't do that. You can't. I wonder. I think you can lay your club down and set, but the club can't stay there. Right? You cannot have an alignment aid while you're hitting a shot. That line on the ball, that's an alignment aid. That should be illegal too, in my book. My little rant on alignment. But I do use that line occasionally, especially when I'm kind of just trying to get back on track on my putting and see how I'm rolling it. I like to see how I'm rolling it on the course. If I get a tight roll on that, I know I'm hitting my line. If I don't, I know I've got some problems to work on. But in a tournament, I, I don't think that should be legal at all. So arm lock, arm lock's got to go. We're going to get rid of the arm lock. All right, Torrey Pines, U.S. Open coming up. Who have you got winning this thing? Who have you got at Torrey 2021? Who's going to pull it off? I wish Tiger Woods was around. He's not. Phil Mickelson, like we already talked about that. I don't think he's it, just too much pressure. Too much pressure and you have to be too accurate off the tee. You just have to be. There's no way around it. What about Jordan Spieth? Man, I love seeing Jordan Spieth making his comeback. Wins. Contention. He's there. I just don't know if he's going to be able to drive the ball well enough. Well enough to contend. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough for him. His driver is kind of... Ah, if he's driving well, he's going to win. If he's driving well. If he's not, he, no, obviously not. But his iron game is so good that it, if he can keep his driver in the fairway, he's got a huge, huge opportunity here because his iron game is one of the best in the world right now. Um, DJ. DJ, I, eh, he could. Again, he's just not playing that great at the moment. He could get hot, but I, I just don't think he's going to. He's probably not going to pull through. You know, Bryson, now there you go. This is, he's the de defending champ. Okay, he won last year. And here we go. He could potentially do it there at Torrey Pines. Because, and I know, like I say, you got to hit fairways. So he has to drive the ball well. But if he plays smart, 
he can hit the irons off the tee and be where everybody else is with their driver. He could hit a hybrid or something off the tee and be just as far as everybody else with their driver. And then every now and then he could pick his spots and hit a bomb. And even if he's in the rough, if he's in the correct side of the rough and the pin's in the right spot, like it's going to have to be very, very calculated, which he's that kind of guy. Then I think he can come through and, um, and do something, but only, only if, you know, he misses the fairway in the right spot at the right time with the right hole location. Cause otherwise it's gonna be very, very difficult to get that ball to stop on the green. And some of those greens, you go off the back, you're, you're in the Canyon. So I think, so just keep an eye on him. If he's being smart, he's going to be in contention. And that's the thing. Brooks Kepka uh, as well. He's playing well. He almost won the PGA. So I think Brooks is going to be up there near the leaderboard also. And keep an eye on Rory. Rory's, he's got a win. He's playing well. He doesn't typically play well at Torrey, but I think he can get it together there and, and, and do something special. So I'm rooting for Rory. And then, um, Ricky Fowler's playing well. It, Ricky's got to qualify to get in. So he's today, longest day in golf, he's qualifying today. So if he gets in, he, he's got a good chance. He's playing well again. So in the, when he plays well, he typically drives it pretty straight. So I keep a good eye on him. And so th th those are kind of my, my top pick. Scotty Scheffler, he's playing really well as well. And he could do... He could do some damage there at uh, Torrey Pines. That's kind of my another pick. And then Shafle, Xander, San Diego guy. Again, when you're a San Diego guy and your U.S. Open's in your hometown, it's tricky. It's a tricky deal. A lot of pressure. So I typically don't go for the guys, the hometown guys. Just I, I just think it's too much pressure for them. So those are my picks. Anyways. Podcast is back. We're back in action. We're gonna be out. We're gonna have some guests here in the little studio we got set up. And keep making it look look a little better and better every time. Hopefully, so we'll bring some guests. We'll have some fun. We'll talk some golf. We'll get some other takes, other perspectives out there. Keep swinging. Keep swinging. Keep practicing. Number one key. Number one key out there is you've got to put short game practice in play. You've got to practice the short game more than everything else. If you do, you will be a better player than you are today. If you just go to the range and hit all your irons and your driver, you're going to be the same. Stay the same. If you want to get better, go chip and putt, chip, pitch, sand shots, putt, and really become a confident sand player. When you become a confident sand player, you become more confident everywhere around the green. Most of us are not confident in the sand. I want you to, when you get in the sand, know like this is going to be, this is going to be close. I'm going to have no more than 10 feet. If you have that mindset because you put the time in the sand, don't hit 10 shots out of the sand, hit a thousand, hit a whole bucket of balls out of the sand every time, then take that bucket, pick your balls up and then go to the range. If you do that, you're going to get better faster and your confidence level is going to go through the roof so that's the tip of the day 
Thanks for listening. Love you guys. We'll uh, see you in the next podcast.